From the Atonement Fargo Studios on South University Drive in Fargo, North Dakota, this is That Podcast. Hey, to contact the crew, submit your questions or comments, go to atonement.live slash podcast questions. And now, here's those crazy people with That Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to That Podcast. My name is Ryan Janke, and today we're going to do things just a little bit differently. Uh, can we do that in the Lutheran Church? Yeah, we can. Doing things a little <laughs> bit differently? Just I, I, I didn't know that that was allowed. Yeah, well, in this case, we have to, because DJ is not with us today. That's correct. DJ is out. He's uh, He's got some other obligations. So we've got uh, Pastor Paul Cross is back with us, and Sarah is here, of course. As always. As always. And today we welcome a very special guest. Mike Bradley is joining us. Mike is the incoming service coordinator for Lutheran Congregations in Mission for Christ. Mike Bradley, welcome to that podcast. Thanks, Ryan. Good to be here with you all. Well, we're happy to have you. How are things going in uh, in Arizona? I believe you're joining us from, correct? Uh, yes. My wife, Debbie, and I live in uh, Gilbert, which is a suburb of Phoenix. And, and uh, surprisingly, it's a little warm today. So. What's a little warm? I think it's 114. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a little warm. What do, what do we have here? In Fargo, we have got uh, 81 in Fargo. Yeah, that's what we call a cold front down here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it goes to my adage, uh, you know, when I was in Texas and people wondered about living up in the Northeast, I said, you can always put more clothes on, but there's a limit to the amount to let you take off. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> the, law, the law only allows so much. The law only allows so much. That's true. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, Mike, we are, we're uh, very excited to have you here. Um, so why don't we start off with, uh, would you mind telling us about yourself? Uh, maybe, uh, uh, if you're comfortable sharing, a, a faith, your faith story with us. Well, let's see if I can give you the reader's digest version. Um, grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, and, uh, Debbie and I both grew up there as a matter of fact, and, uh, grew up in a family that went to church occasionally, but it really wasn't part of our life. And uh, went into the United States Air Force back when we had the little conflict going on in Southeast Asia. Served there for a little bit. Came home to Oklahoma, Altus, Oklahoma, little little town in southwest corner. And I uh, was assigned a roommate from West Virginia, whose name on his birth certificate was Billy Bob Fred Joe Choctaw Pitzer. Say that again now. Billy Bob Fred Joe Choctaw Pitzer. We That's a real scrap. That's a scrabble. We name. just called him. Uh, we we shortened it to Billy Bob Fred Joe. I I, and, uh, uh, I I can't imagine filling out the. Uh, uh, oh, a scantron. Oh, that had to have been miserable. <laughs> yeah. Well, his best buddy on base was a Messianic Jew from Boston named Stan Kellner. So Billy Billy Bob Fred Joe was tall and thin, and Stan was short and squat. But they both loved Jesus with all their hearts and. Uh, befriended me. Uh, Altus was a, a nice enough town, but it was down in southwest Oklahoma, not, not a lot to do. And these guys just started inviting me to go camping with them, go to a movie, play softball, <clears throat> that kind of thing. And then eventually they invited me to a Bible study that a retired master sergeant and his wife uh, hosted outside the base. And I started going. There were 14 guys from the base. 
13 are in full-time pastoral ministry today. Uh, The 14th, Billy Bob Fred Joe is a Christian cartoonist in Lexington, Kentucky. And uh, so he's the one who's fallen away, you know. uh, (laughs) um, And the group that discipled me early on, not surprisingly, in that part of the country was a Southern Baptist group. And I went home to, uh, after serving four years, went home to Omaha, Nebraska, began to work in a Christian bookstore, Zondervan Family Bookstores. Uh, kind of moved up the ranks there to manager and then regional manager. And one day a, a guy walked into my store and uh, kind of reminded me of Friar Tuck, uh, extended his hand because we could still shake hands back then and uh, said, hi, I'm Al Asper. I'm a, I'm a Lutheran pastor here in town. And this was back in the 70s. So you, you had to go to a bookstore to get your books. No Amazon, no internet. Uh, hi, Pastor Asper. How are you? And we began talking and at one point, he asked if I would begin carrying some books in my store that were by Pentecostal authors, Assembly of God authors, charismatic authors. And I asked him, well, I excuse me, but I, I thought you said you were a Lutheran pastor. And he said, I am. And I said, well, what's a Lutheran pastor wanting with these books from Pentecostal authors? And he said, well, I'm a Lutheran pastor who believes that the Holy Spirit is alive and well today. And I thought about it for a minute and found myself saying out loud to him, you can't be that. (laughs) You can, you can be Lutheran or you can be uh, charismatic. You can be one who believes in the the empowering presence of the spirit, but you can't be both. He said, Oh, would you like to talk about that? Sure. We began to meet for coffee and we looked at some scriptures that the, the folks who had discipled me had not maliciously, but had, misinterpreted and misapplied. And then one day I asked him, well, Pastor Al, what's it mean to be Lutheran? And he began to share with me some of the best of our Lutheran theological heritage. And I said, well, that's just good scripture. And he said, well, yeah, that's that's the point. And uh, one day my Baptist pastor, the church I was going to, found out I was exploring things of the Spirit and hanging out with a Lutheran pastor. And he, he graciously asked me to leave his church. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, well, okay, I understand. And I began going to Pastor Al's little church that he uh, had planted back in the mid-70s, little church of about 120 people with four teenagers. I began to volunteer working with the teens. And, and along the way, I met and married one of his daughters, and uh, the middle daughter. And um, uh, one thing led to another. And while I was Uh, moving up the ladder in the Christian bookstore chain, becoming pretty successful, uh, the Lord made it clear through uh, various ways that he had a different call in my life, and that was to a vocational style of ministry. And I left the bookstore business in 78. Deb and I got married, and and I left the bookstore business and became the youth minister of a youth group of four teens in this 120-member church mm-hmm. and have been uh, in various roles of leadership, youth ministry, worship leadership, associate pastor, senior pastor, president of a small seminary where Paul and I worked together, actually, for quite a few years, the Master's Institute, and and uh, led another uh, sister network to LCMC and now uh, moving into this new role in LCMC. Cool. So there you have it. Yeah. Wow. That's a neat story. Um, 
So as um, uh, with this with this role uh, that you're coming into, um, how did that how did that come to be, or or why uh, why now why why you you know? Well, that's a question I'm still asking myself. <laughs> As a matter, matter of fact, and there's probably a few people in the network asking that. Um, I attended a meeting in December. Uh, uh, Mark Vanderteig, our uh, present service coordinator, is going to be retiring. And, and uh, the board of trustees, the national board for LCMC, called a meeting together in December in Minneapolis of about 40 people. I was invited to to uh, be there. The church network I was leading at the time, uh, the Alliance of Renewal Churches, a sister network to LCMC, uh, was having some influence amongst the leaders in LCMC. And so they said, well, would you come and be part of our discussions? And, and uh, I am, a, I, I was already uh, rostered as a certified as an LCMC pastor. So I said, well, sure, I'm honored, be glad to. And I, I attended and stayed a little quiet at first, but then they began to ask me questions as we would discuss certain things. And, and evidently, um, some of the answers I gave were intriguing enough. They said, well, would you apply for the position? And I said, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. And I'm just glad to, to be here to be helpful. And I went home and, and one, of, one of the guys at the, this meeting said, well, at least pray about it. Sure. Okay. I'll pray about it. Got home and told Debbie and we began to pray and suddenly a desire began to, it was just birthed, I think, by God uh, in my heart and began to grow to want to serve in this way. I, I could see just all kinds of potential. There's been so much wonderful stuff that God's done in and through LCMC in our first 20 years. Uh, but there's also a lot of potential moving ahead. And I thought, wow, this, this could be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not easy. Uh, but it, but it could be fun, and and it uh, the, the most important thing about it. The reason I said yes is it's given me another chance to work with Pastor Paul Croft. So that that was the reason. <laughs> was that boy? His credibility just went out yeah. the window. Was that was that one of the questions on the application? Mike, Are you willing? Realize this is not only being recorded; it's being broadcast. <laughs> Was that a question on the app? Are you willing to work with Pastor Paul Cross? I I don't think it was on the app, but I think I heard an audible voice of God that asked it. So there, there you have it. Uh, so uh, for those who don't know, uh, what is the service coordinator? Uh, and and yeah, what the, will you be doing? Yeah, the service coordinator... Um, uh, one of the things when we at LCMC, when we were founded 20 some years ago, one of the things we wanted to do in establishing our association was not to have a, a top down heavy hierarchy. We, we wanted the home office, as it were, to serve the congregations, to serve mm-hmm. the uh, pastors and, and to serve other leaders, uh, not expect them to serve us. And so we, we wanted to flip that hierarchy on its, on its head. And so the service coordinator uh, title was chosen to to try to communicate that that the uh, in other networks the, this person might be called a director or a president or something like that, uh, but we wanted to uh, be sure to never forget that the role here is to be a servant leader to leaders and to congregations. Uh, amongst other things, I'll I'll be supervising the staff. I'll be working with the board of trustees, uh, the national board. 
uh, the ministry board, which oversees pastoral affairs, um, will be uh, working to uh, develop a, a, a clarified, well-articulated sense of mission that can be agreed upon across the board in the association. We'll be seeking the Lord as to what he might say is a, is a vision going forward. Here's, the, here's my preferred future for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I want you to shoot for. I'll be uh, uh, one of the roles that I, I take very seriously is to be one who prays for pastors, prays for congregations, uh, seeking to care for pastors and other leaders. Uh, and not that I can do that all myself, of course, but we'll strategically think that through. How can we intentionally care for our leaders, pastors, mm-hmm. and other leaders? Um, and uh, I'll be doing some teaching and and some equipping of the, the saints all as part of this one position. Okay. Um, and when we spoke a, a couple of weeks ago, whatever it was, um, uh, you uh, told me that you had been calling around to different churches and talking to different pastors and things like that. Um, yeah. As you've been doing that uh, and talking, visiting with, with these pastors or, or uh, you know, different people, what have you found is the number one challenge, or is there a lot of different challenges, especially now with COVID, um, you know, causing causing some struggles for churches? What have you found to be the, the biggest challenge or the biggest thing to sort of tackle during this time? Uh, probably coming in, uh, I, I start officially on Saturday. And, uh, but, but I have been communicating with leaders, as you mentioned. Probably one of the biggest challenges for me personally coming in is going to be uh, being intentional to build relationships. Uh, in my first year, I think that's one of the priorities I have to have is to, I, I obviously know uh, Pastor Paul already, but other pastors out there, uh, I need to get to know them. And, I, and uh, not only the pastors, but other leaders. The, mm-hmm. the youth leaders, the worship leaders, the lay leaders, and I, I need to listen. That's another priority, uh, to listen to what's on their hearts. What are some priorities they're sensing? What are some challenges they're sensing? And then w- listen to them with one ear, as it were, and to listen to the Lord with the other ear. Uh, building the relationships, uh, that's something I, I'm pretty good at. Uh, networking is something I enjoy doing for the sake of mission and ministry, not just for the sake of getting to know people in and of itself. Um, and I will be intentional about it, but it, it would be easier if I could get out there, travel, uh, fly in, drive in, spend time with leaders in their churches. But we'll do the best we can using Zoom, using phone calls, texting, and that kind of thing. Okay. Um, it, it- so at a time like this, uh, I, I imagine that uh, you have some some people that you lean on or that you've leaned on over the years as mentors. I know on, on Facebook you shared some information about that, but uh, do you have uh, people who, who uh, really, you know, you lean on professionally or, or uh, who's been big mentors through your life? And, and uh, um, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Before we, we uh, called them mentors, Paul and I are 
uh, far enough along in our life journeys we remember when we we didn't have we didn't have the word mentor. Uh, but yeah, my, we had euphemisms uh, like far enough along in our journey. <laughs> what a nice way to say old. Um, my father-in-law, Al Asper, an ALC American Lutheran Church pastor, was my first mentor, and. Um, just an incredible guy. I wish he were alive today. He, he went to be with the Lord back in 1980, died, died much too young. Uh, but he would love what uh, he would see happening in and through LCMC today. He would be part of it. Um, and uh, I think I, I learned so many things from each of the mentors I've had along the way. Uh, one of the things I've, I've learned from Al, uh, he, w- he probably incarnated the love of God more than any other person I've ever met in my life. Uh, he truly authentically could love those who didn't love him. Mm. And he could believe God's best for them, pray God's best for them. He was so secure in who he was in Christ. Uh, his, his identity wasn't based on his position, his power, or his title. Uh, it was really based on, I'm, I'm a child of God. Wow. That's an incredible identity. And so he, he drew his sense of worth and value and significance uh, from that identity, which set him free then to, to love other people. He had nothing to prove. And uh, that was one of the great examples he set for me. Um, another guy I worked with, uh, uh, Paul knows this guy and would know this guy, Leroy Flagstead out at Trinity Lutheran Church in Rapid City, South Dakota. Uh, Debbie and I were there 16 years. And um, I started as the youth minister and slash worship leader and eventually became an associate pastor and then the acting senior pastor after Leroy retired while the call committee did their job in an ELCA church while having never been to seminary. I I wasn't ordained, um, but they just kept giving me things to do. And... uh, uh, actually, one of the people I almost got to work with there in Rapid City was Paul Cross. And uh, we eventually hooked up at the Master's Institute Seminary in Minneapolis. Uh, Leroy, um, uh, there was nothing flashy about him as a person. He wasn't a charismatic personality. But oh my, he loved God. And we had a really diverse congregation in Rapid City in every way, ethnically, racially, socioeconomically, uh, generationally, and he genuinely loved the diversity and helped uh, bring people together around a common sense of mission and vision and values, even though they might have different things they liked about being a Christian or liked about certain styles of Lutheran worship. uh, He was able to draw people together to work toward that one agreed upon sense of mission. And that's something I, I learned from him. Mm-hmm. Um, one other that I'll mention is a guy named Joe Johnson. Uh, he's still a mentor of mine, uh, a Lutheran pastor who, when he walks in the room, the grace and love of God walk in the room with him. Mm. And the, the atmosphere actually changes when he walks in the room. And um, uh, he's been such a big part of my life. Peer mentors, a couple of pastors who have, are such a big influence uh, on me or my pastor of my home church here in Phoenix, Graham Sellers and Tom Brashears, an LCMC pastor in California. And then 
uh, last but certainly not least, probably the person who's influenced me the most is my wife, Debbie. Mm-hmm. Uh, her life of faith is absolutely incredible. I way, way outkicked my coverage when I married her. <laughs> um, she's, she's just incredible. So I've, I've learned a lot from her. Cool. Um, so you've mentioned a few different, uh, you, you mentioned ALC, ELCA, um, for people who, who might be listening who don't know, what really separates LCMC? What makes LCMC unique uh, to different L- Lutheran uh, congregations? Uh, that's a great question, Ryan, and, and Pastor Paul could probably answer this better than I could. I, I think one of the things, from, from my perspective, so that there might be somebody out there who, who would disagree, but from my perspective, one of the things that we are um, really committed to in LCMC is being rooted in God's word and in the confessions of the Lutheran church. And um, I I think that one of the things we might say in LCMC is we're going to let God's word say what God's word says. And we're just going to accept it at face value. We're not going to try to reinterpret it in order to support uh, an agenda we might have or support a new sociological position or thought, uh, even though it might make us uncomfortable at times, uh, we're, we're just going to let God's word say what it says. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think another thing that we might agree on in LCMC, LCMC is a broad association in and of ourselves as a matter of fact, but one thing we might agree on is we can't do anything of significance without the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we would be intentional to embrace and welcome and try to create a welcoming environment uh, for his presence. And uh, so we're, we're committed to the Lordship of Jesus. We're going to be rooted in God's word and in the Lutheran confessions as they reflect God's word. And we're going to welcome and embrace the Holy Spirit's empowering presence. Not every Lutheran denomination or network would say yes to those three, or they might say yes, but they might actually practice something different. Uh, For instance, they might say, well, we believe the Bible is God's word, but they might be more prone to reinterpret historical understandings and applications of the word of God. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, I certainly would respect that and do respect those brothers and sisters, but, but I would just uh, disagree with them on certain positions. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, at the end of the day, though, I'm sure going to try to work with them uh, in the mission Jesus has given us all. So. Right. Um, you wrote a book. Did, have you written? <laughs> I did, yeah. A, a book uh, yeah. called uh, Being a Safe and correct me if I'm wrong on this, being a safe place for the dangerous kind. Is that correct? That is correct. So, And for only only $9.99 on Amazon, it can be yours. There you go, $9.99, <laughs> Amazon.com, being a safe place for the dangerous kind. But I have a question. Sure. What does that mean? Uh, well, you got to get the book and read it, right? <laughs> No, No um, teasers no. even? No, I, 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 I am teasing. Uh, uh, like Pastor Paul, teasing is my love language. So, um, I, you know, toward toward the end, uh, this is nothing private, and it's it's public knowledge. 
Uh, the first 12 years in Rapid City were an incredible time. The last four years were really painful. Mm. Uh, a new leader came into place after Pastor Leroy retired, and uh, a good man, good man. Uh, however, he was probably more Pentecostal in an unhealthy way mm-hmm. in his spiritual practice, and it, he was uh, not in keeping with some of the historical, uh, the best of the historical aspects of our Lutheran theology. So, for instance, uh, we would say we are a people who want to rightly distinguish between law and gospel. And he would agree with that statement, but he would preach law. So he would preach, here's what you have to do in order to earn God's love and earn God's favor. Mm-hmm. And here's why you're not good enough. And here's more you have to do. Uh, or there were some teachings being allowed in our our body, which were uh, some of the less helpful teachings that could come out of the charismatic renewal movement in the United States, um, teachings that were not biblical, uh, things like uh, the only way you can be filled with the Holy Spirit is you have to speak in the gift of tongues. Mm. Uh, or the reason your prayer wasn't answered is because you don't have enough faith. Uh, things that are spiritual sounding, but they're not biblical. And these kinds of things began to, to hurt people. And uh, it began to turn God's people against one another, some in favor of this new leader, some against. It became a very unsafe place. Uh, people began to leave our congregation. And I remember talking to Debbie one day at home saying, you know, it's just not safe here anymore. And that stuck with me. And so I began to ask the Lord, well, what's it mean to be a safe place? Jesus, you seem to be a safe place for the lost and searching, the wounded and the weary. When we look in Scripture, they seem to be drawn to you. Mm-hmm. They seem to be able to be authentic with you, like the woman at the well, like Timothy, like Nicodemus and others. What is it about you, Jesus, that made you that safe place? And that began a journey for the last uh, 20-some years where I've been teaching on this idea of being a safe place. You, you do have to unpack what the word safe means because it doesn't mean play it safe. Uh, it means, uh, according to the dictionary, one of the definitions is someone who's safe is always dependable and trustworthy. So the safe place metaphor is just wanting to be more like Jesus, always dependable and trustworthy to love others, to forgive others, to believe in others. And when you create an atmosphere that's safe, you can begin to dare to be appropriately vulnerable, appropriately transparent. And and you can begin to bring things to the light that you haven't brought to the light before. And God can can bring healing. He can uh, can bring transformation and maturation, which makes you dangerous for the kingdom of God and to the dominion of the enemy. So we need a safe place an atmosphere, relationships where we can be appropriately vulnerable and transparent and authentic so we can be transformed to think, speak, and act more like Jesus, which will make make us dangerous for his purposes and to the the darkness. Okay. You know, Ryan, I I think this is a pretty good book. It got 
only four reviews on Amazon. Oh yeah, and they were all five star. But <laughs> and, and and for some reason there were two guys brave enough to leave their names. Uh, a guy by the name of Tom Brashears and a guy by the name of yeah. Danny Mullins. These random yeah. people must have really loved the book for some reason. <laughs> I, you know, they, they they must have really loved it so much that they would put their names. I mean, two random people. Who would have thought they'd put their full real names on it? There was one other review that I had to delete, Paul, and, and it, it said that, that uh, like the Book of Concord, my book was thick enough it can prop open doors and windows. <laughs> I, I'm just wondering if Tom and Danny got paid for their endorsements. I was just curious about that. Uh, too many times over, yeah. <laughs> You thought uh, I was going to be quiet the whole time, uh, Mike, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, it, if it wasn't hot enough in Arizona, Paul's there to roast you even more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, i got another question to ask you, Mike. I mean, you're like the sure. uh, service coordinator elect. I mean, elect, is that is that like yeah. the elector of Saxony? Is that kind of what that's like? I mean, you know, our Genesio Lutherans want to know about these things. Uh, you, you bet. It. I, I don't know. I don't know yet. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know yet. So. <laughs> Yeah, you're, you're, you're fortunate that, that DJ's uh, out uh, uh, frolicking uh, with his family because he, he'd, be, he'd be grilling you about things about uh, uh, 16th century controversies and uh, oh, Genesio sure. matters and, and uh, all sorts of Council of Trent. And oh, Council he, of he'd be speaking whatever. in Hebrew and Greek and, oh, and oh, whatever. Of well, of you, you, you've got to meet DJ. Uh, he, DJ's a good guy. We, we love DJ here. You know Becky and I, but... You got to meet DJ. He's 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 a peach. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to meeting him and looking forward to one of these days coming up back up there to Fargo to hang out. Yeah, today would have been a great day for it because it's beautiful here. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just as wonderful as it can be here in Fargo. Yeah, uh, you'll likely wind up here like January fifteenth mm -hmm. though, or something like that. <laughs> there, there are Probably. some people who love Jesus who 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 come to Fargo and le leave Texas in January and come to Fargo in February. You know, there's people who love Jesus will do that, but you know, you bet, you bet. Uh, do you have any more questions yeah. for Mike? Well, I, I kind of do, uh, Mike. Uh, you know, you've got a great experience with a lot of things. Uh, uh, just kind of, uh, uh, what did the Air Force teach you about life and leadership? Mm. Uh, just a couple sentences on that. And uh, yeah, uh, you, uh, yeah just, just what, what, what was that like? Well, one of, the, one of the things, first of all, let me be quick to say, one of the guys who was instrumental in my coming to, to faith also was a chaplain. Mm -hmm. uh, Major David White. So I, I have a great love for military chaplains, and I'm glad we're involved in that as an association. Um, uh, Pastor Chris Magnell, who I believe is a colonel now uh, in the in the uh, Army as a chaplain down in uh, Florida, and I've talked with Chris about that a lot. Um, I like the Air Force. I could have easily stayed in, uh, had been promoted four times in four years, and I enjoyed the the uh, the lifestyle. I think what did it teach me about leadership? Attention to detail and uh, discipline and uh, uh, attention to the fundamentals. If, you, if you're faithful to the fundamentals, you'll see some good fruit. And I think that's true in our Christian faith, the fundamentals of our faith, not that we do the work, but it, it positions us to receive the work God wants to do in us. 
another question. Uh, uh, you have two Toms in your life, Tom Brashears, which we've already uh, uh, pointed out in, in several I places. Do. But Tom Osborne, tell us about your relationship with Tom Osborne. <laughs> oh, Coach Tom. Well, I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah. And I, I grew up uh, in Nebraska. There are no professional sports teams. And Says I, I'm who? A sports uh, yeah, well, that's that's true. Some people would say the Nebraska University football team is a professional team. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, I grew up, um, I'm, I'm a sports junkie, and I grew up on Saturdays getting up in the morning doing my chores around the house, but then my dad and I would sit and listen on the radio uh, while Lyle Brenzer broadcast the Nebraska football game. And at some point, uh, Coach Tom Osborne succeeded uh, Coach Bob Devaney and led Nebraska through a wonderful uh, stretch of years, uh, I think three national championships, four national championships. And uh, the thing I love about Sean Kelly is listing. Make sure it's accurate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from, from afar, uh, because I didn't know him, of course, he was a, a strong Christian who lived out his Christian values in how he coached and how he treated people. And at one point, I became, when I was pastoring in Rapid South Dakota, I became a high school basketball and baseball coach as a way to get out into the community. And so I took a lot of what I learned from Coach Osborne in terms of how, how does my faith affect my coaching and influencing young men and young women because I coach boys and girls basketball. And uh, just a couple of years ago, I actually got to meet Coach Osborne. I was back in Rapid City. Um, again, that's where we raised our kids. We were back visiting some friends. I walked into a sporting goods store, and lo and behold, there's Coach Osborne over in the corner. And I, I never approach uh, people of, of fame or whatever because I always think, well, they they get approached all the time. But I thought I can't pass up this opportunity. And I went over and introduced myself and just told him, I don't want to bother you, just real quickly, I want to thank you. And he said, well, who are you and what do you do? And he started asking me all about my life story. And, and then at the end, he said, I'd like a picture with you. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you got to be kidding me. So he, he had a buddy of his snap a picture of us, which I've got in my office at home today. So uh, he's, he's been another mentor uh, from afar. Mm -hmm. There you go. There you go. You know, it, it is a little known fact that, that both Mike and I were both born in, in Omaha. Little known fact. Yeah. I did not live there for six, four months, but that was about it. Yeah, little known <laughs> yeah our, our, our lives have just been intertwined right from the beginning. So. There, you, yeah. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I, uh, I have to ask you, Mike, yeah. uh, would you claim to know Paul Cross in a court of law? <laughs> I I would claim to know him, and I would I would go to jail for him. Oh, oh wow. wow! Wow! You might have to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yes, I'd I'd publicly anywhere proudly claim to know Paul Cross. Well, you got one, Paul. <laughs> you got one. There's one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. Sarah, do you have any questions? Well, after you said that you had spent a good chunk of time in South Dakota, I am also from South yeah. Dakota. So we okay. have an ongoing kind of controversy on that podcast of which is the better Dakota. So in your opinion, which is better, South Dakota or North Dakota? 
I, you know, Sarah, a good question, but I, I don't know that I can answer that because I really don't have much experience in North Dakota. I, I guess I'd say this. I, I would lean toward choosing South Dakota because I spent time in Rapid City, which, of course, is the entryway into the Black Hills, which is just a beautiful part of the country. And having visited Fargo, I don't know that other than Midland, Texas, I've ever seen country that's so flat. <laughs> well, if you would go to Sioux Falls, you'd see country that's so boring. I guess that'd be the issue right there. Sewer. There's a sig- significant, wouldn't you say, Ryan, there's a significant <laughs> difference between uh, Rapid City and Sioux Falls? Oh, I yes. Mean, would, would you not yeah. say? I There's mean, a tremendous difference. Yeah, one has terrain. Yeah. One has I'm gonna uh, mute attractions. And yeah. one has things you would go to for tourist things. Oh, yeah. But, you know, the other, not so sure about that. Yeah. And I believe the, the rivalry. Uh, so Sioux Falls would be Missouri River runs through the middle mm-hmm. of South Dakota. So they'd call Sioux Falls East River mm-hmm. and Rapid City West River. I had a professor in seminary at Fuller Seminary. My last class was from East River. I got my last paper back him, back from him. It had an F on it. And I, I had to read through the whole paper to get to the, the last page where he said, just joking, you got an A. I'm, a, I'm an East River guy, and I couldn't let you get away. So. Yes, well, there you go. Yeah. See, well, you know, uh, there, there you have it. Yeah. You well, have it. Uh, do you know what the best part of, of uh, the best thing about Nebraska is? I'm afraid to ask. What is it? It's not South Dakota. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my favorite was always this, of course, on the football helmets. You know what the N stands for? Uh. Knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> there, there you have it. That's a good one. Oh, my. Uh-huh. Let's, let's not start. We can do <laughs> Uh, the, 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 the state battle has been a running theme for what, 20, 20 episodes now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. she, that's the only thing she was waiting to ask you. She, well, she no, saw I that. One other question. Yeah. Okay. Well, ask her. Oh, go, go ahead. So yeah. earlier you talked about how one of your main focuses in taking this position is taking time to pay, pray for pastors. Yeah. So as people who are on church staff and members of congregations and whatnot, how can we as staff and congregation members be praying for our pastors? What are some kind of just good starting points that people might not know about? Uh, that's a great question, Sarah. One, one of the things we can be praying for our pastors and for other leaders on the church staff, by the way. Okay. So not only the pastors, but one of the things I'm certainly praying for is that God will uh, grant them an experience of his love for them. Uh, not that they'll just know it theologically or intellectually or know that Jesus loves them because the Bible tells them so, uh, but that they'll actually experience God's love for them and, and that it will sink so deep within their being that that uh, being a beloved son or daughter of God will be more than just some theological construct. Um, I, I'm also praying uh, that as needed, God will give them creative insight these days as they seek to, to lead us during a really unusual time in our country's history. Mm-hmm. And so God speak to them and give them strategic thoughts, insights, and creativity in how to lead us. So th- those would be a couple of ways. Mm. Uh, well, um, so um, 
this this fall uh, is the uh, uh, the gathering. The, the, yes. What is going to be different about the gathering this year, other than pretty much everything? <laughs> well, yeah. Usually, usually our national gathering for LCMC is three days in October, mm-hmm. and it's usually attended by anywhere from seven hundred to a thousand people or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, from congregations all across the country and overseas. We have a little over 200 congregations overseas Mm. uh, in Africa, Southeast Asia, South America, amongst other places. Um, This year, because of COVID, and and first of all, to answer that question is, we we may know what we think it's going to look at like right now, but of course, we won't really know for sure until we get to October 5th, which is the date for it, because this COVID situation is so fluid, it may improve or it may worsen. We, we just don't know. But as of right now, because of the information we have at hand, uh, we're not going to be able to have more than 250 people in attendance. Uh, we do want to follow all safety protocols for mm-hmm. everyone. Um, uh, we'll be holding, hosting it at North Heights Lutheran Church in, in uh, the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. Uh, which is a very, very large, uh, the, the, the sanctuary is a very, very large setting, so we can easily social distance 250 people mm-hmm. uh, there. Um, every year, a small portion of our national gathering has to do with business of the association. We do need to take care of that by, by uh, constitutional and, and bylaw, so we'll do a little bit of that that day. But we'll also have a chance to be encouraged by... Uh, a couple of keynote speakers will have a chance to show our gratitude to Mark Vandertide mm. uh, for his service the last 10 years. And then there will be an installation of me as the new uh, service coordinator that day. And that'll all be in one day. We will live stream it. Okay. Uh, there'll, there'll be more information coming out on that. Uh, and uh, we will uh, be encouraging some congregations in certain areas. Maybe you can host. Um uh, a time for not only your people, but for other congregations, oh, oh. Uh, congregations in the area to uh, gather together. Okay. I, I'm sure we can make an arrangement for consideration. What, uh, what sort of consideration, consideration. are you looking for? You know, we've been doing this for some time. You know, we, we've asked the previous uh, uh, service coordinator about this. We, uh, we were in, we were in uh, uh, negotiations. We were in negotiations about this. Now I have nothing to do with this because I'm only a sit-in. I I'm not one of the I'm not one of the official trio of that podcast. Mm-hmm. But it, it seems to me that that we could make that podcast the official podcast of the LCMC annual gathering. Uh, my for for a consideration. Well, why not? At least a shout out. A, a, a shout out. Well, I mean, I, 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 I think the word official would help us. That's all we're looking for. We, we, we don't, we, we don't want any money. We don't want it. We just want to be called the official podcast of LCMC annual gathering. That's all. Not the LCMC, just, just the annual gathering. We could certainly look into that. You bet. Look, looking oh. into that. Is that another euphemism? I think sort of like, you know, like you, were wanting, you know, Mike kind of, Mike kind of paints with euphemisms. You see that there? <laughs> Uh, it it is a, it is uh, uh, unfortunate um, 
all the all the challenges that mm-hmm. that have come with with COVID, and the the national gathering is one of them because I haven't been to one, but I understand that uh, it it is a a great time to connect with other leaders and and um, do that networking you were talking about earlier and and that type of thing. It sure is, and and uh, we'll, we'll be looking even in the era of COVID, we'll be looking this next year at different ways we can help congregations and leaders uh, network together and uh, just be encouraged by each other's presence, by each other's prayers, by having fun together uh, in in regions and districts of LCMC. And we look forward to the day when we can get back together in person. I'm really going to miss the annual gathering, as it were, because I was thinking, you know, a thousand people or so, there's bound to be a few hundred gifts coming my way mm. as a new service. Card. <laughs> and and a little known fact, it's usually held over my birthday, and I have the spiritual gift of receiving. Mm. Well, I, I tell you what. Uh, you, you know, know Mike, that... uh, I, I gave a keynote address at an LCMC annual gathering on the uh, anniversary of uh, the sainted Mrs. Cross and I, or the SMC's uh, anniversary for a wedding, and we didn't get www.squat. I mean, it was, you know, that's so uh, just want uh... you to know. And okay. I had the SMC on my teams, you know, as I said, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we, we, we can sure, we can sure uh, uh, help get the word out for you, Mike. Yep, we, we oh, can. You, you it, because yeah, it would help even more if we were the official, official. official podcast. podcast of LCMC <laughs> annual gathering. You know, that might be a T-shirt in the making, Paul. <laughs> Again, I, I don't have anything to do with this. I, want, I As I said, I'm only a substitute. I, I'm not a part of this regular ministry. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just substituting for DJ. I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I'm certainly we could, not we could the tour, the operation. We could, we, could, uh, we could tour around. We could. To, to well, also. The, the tour is going on regardless, whether oh, okay. we're official or go. unofficial. There you go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're doing that regardless. Oh, man. There you go. Uh, well, Mike, uh, I appreciate you uh, you coming on and, and dealing with this nonsense. Um, and your official start date is August 1st. Saturday. Saturday, Saturday August Saturday. 1st. Yep. Okay. And how can people um, uh, learn more about you, more about LCMC, uh, reach out to you? Um, how could they do all that? Sure. One way is to, if they want to learn more about LCMC, is to go to our website at lcmc.net. And uh, there's certainly some information about me on that, um, uh, on that website. Uh, and people can reach out to me uh, with prayer requests uh, at uh, my email address will be mike at lcmc.net. And I'm, I'm really serious about keeping, I've got a, a, a folder on my computer where I keep those prayer requests so that I can regularly go back through and uh, keep them in prayer, follow up. Hey, how's it going mm-hmm. about that thing we've been praying for? Um, uh, that's something I'm, I'm really committed to and I, I believe is a, a high priority for me as the service coordinator. And then I have a Facebook page if people want to know a little bit more about me personally, about my family. Uh, Dev and I have five kids and three grandsons and, and a great three-year-old Labrador dog named Maggie May. Mm. Uh, so if they want to learn more about us personally, they can check us out on Facebook. Excellent. Do, do either of you two have any more questions for Mike? I, 
None for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Mike, why don't you hang out after we after we go off air and and you uh, bet. Um, but uh, um, Paul, would you mind uh, sure. praying for us and praying for Mike? Gladly, Father, we're grateful. Uh, we're grateful beyond measure uh, for Mike Bradley and uh, uh, the wisdom of our board to um, to see in Mike the gifts of leadership and the gifts of grace and love that he spoke of and know how authentic uh, it is. Um, a, a person uh, in, in, in certain understanding of his, his need for grace, but also a person who certainly pours out that grace into the lives of others. So, Lord, as um, uh, official or otherwise, uh, as a podcast here, we pray for Mike, and we pray for our sister congregations in LCMC, as uh, this new uh, uh, season begins, uh, we're grateful. We're grateful for Mark Vanderteague as well, and we ask, Lord, uh, your blessing upon him and his, his household and his family uh, as they uh, uh, move to another uh, uh, season of life. But we look forward to, with great anticipation uh, what you're going to be doing uh, through LCMC, uh, not only uh, in, in this country but in the world, and we're grateful for that opportunity. All these things we ask in Jesus' name, and we're bold to say, amen. 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 All right. Uh, thank you all for joining us today. Uh, don't forget that you can join us every Sunday at atonement.live, atonementfargo.org, or on YouTube by searching Atonement Fargo. We have a tradition service at 9 o'clock, followed by a modern service at 1030, and all of our past uh, worship services are available on YouTube by searching Atonement Fargo. Uh, also, this week, we have a special twofer. We're going to uh, speak with uh, Lisa Hansen about uh, her organization, The Next Step ND, uh, and talk about human trafficking. Uh, so for Sarah DeYoung, Pastor Paul Cross, and Mike Bradley, I'm Ryan Janke. Meet us back here next week for another riveting episode of that podcast. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.